to Women Travel, a podcast about the places women have been and the things they did there. This week I have Jay Trawick. And Jay, let's hit it off with uh, what's a travel tip that you absolutely love? I think the most important thing I would want myself and other people to take to heart is that you need to do less when you're traveling because I talk to so many people and they just want to do every single activity they can possibly fit into the day. And then you've missed you've missed the heart of where you're visiting. So that's the biggest thing. All the time I tell people just to take a step back, cancel one of those activities and just enjoy the moment. But how do you decide? Because I'm thinking of like, I'm planning a trip in Southern France and I'm like, there's a, I don't know which one I want to do more. Well, I think you've already made a good specification because I, so I, I used to live in Europe for four years and I would have friends and family say they wanted to visit and they would say, oh, I've got seven days. I want to hit five countries. And I'm like, pause, like countries. You just said countries. You can't you shouldn't do five in seven days. Just because it's possible doesn't mean you should. So you're already specifying down to Southern France is a huge improvement over what I'm used to hearing. Um, and it is hard to choose. I think what you have to do too is kind of play it real time. So say like, I, this is what I want for my week. And then when you get down there, if you're having a good time in whatever city you're in in the moment, you don't need to leave. Like the, you can always come back is like the philosophy I try to put onto people and I know that's not necessarily true that time and money may keep you from coming back but we have, I think we should live with the mentality that we can always come back and that helps us really enjoy where we're at I like that do you think do you find people that treat countries kind of like they would states yes all the time and I was guilty of that when I was yeah. young uh, my parents they were those type of travelers that we took a tour to Europe when I was in high school and we went to five countries in 11 days and they both have said oh we've seen Europe and I just that baffles me because <laughs> it's not even close to true <laughs> like we saw a bus basically so since then and since traveling on my own I've really kind of learned to slow down and I even still do it in the U.S. like I was in Oregon a few months back and I just said I want to see all of Oregon and I had eight days and on day four I realized that that was a very asinine choice to think I could see it all in eight days I essentially only made it There's, to two cities and then I stopped. <laughs> what do you prefer to do? Do you prefer to uh, like relax? Are you like a beach goer or are you more of a hiker? Uh, do you do backpacking? Like what's your kind of MO? Um, I definitely prefer to be uh, active. So I love to backpack, um, but it is hard to travel with all the gear to make that a very comfortable thing. So um, I usually go back and forth. So one trip is a mountain based trip and then the next time drinking on the beach a <laughs> little bit of both a little bit of both worlds so what you do is you customize vans so people can live the hashtag van life um, and how did you get into that uh, i got into it the way a lot of people got into their new hobbies uh during covid i bought a 2006 uh, echo 450 bus like they like an old person shuttle bus basically and it had already been modified and it was not done well so I spent a lot of money and I realized pretty quickly that it was not a good product and I was unhappy with it. And I just kind of realized if I wanted something I was going to be happy with that I could afford, I needed to do it myself. So that brought me to my first van this past January. Okay. So by doing it yourself, like, are you doing the full engine work? Are you just doing like the interior carpentry? Like what's your specific, like, uh, niche, niche. I prefer to start with a already working mechanical product because I can learn to do mechanics and I did on this old, the bus that I had, but that's not what I'm interested in. So, um, the vehicle I bought this in January was brand new. 
with the warranty package and everything. So I didn't have to worry about the mechanic side of it. And I stick to the back end. So essentially from the driver's seat back, I'm doing all the modifications. So what are some of those modifications? Um, you start pretty basic, you know, you put the insulation in and then I learned how to put in wiring and work with uh, electrical equipment and it's all 12 volts. So it's not like what you would have inside of your own physical house with electricity running into it. So I learned a lot about different power, power structures and uh, wiring sizes, things I had no idea about and things um, I'm still quite confused about, but I have a baseline level of knowledge and that's what I'm using. Do you have like a specific goal for them? Because are you like, yeah, like how do you use your van? Um, my goal is for them to be able to be off grid capable up to a week. So essentially um, the limiting factor for almost all vans is water. So it's, you, you can only stay off grid as long as you have enough water. So my goal is to have the power electricity, propane, all of that situated, and then you just need to be able to stock your water. So um, when I travel, I have a 120-pound Pyrenees, and he kind of consumes most of my water, and I live very, very lightly on water. So I'm not, I usually drink a gallon a day when I'm at home, but on the road, I try to cut back because it's also, then you have to find restrooms. So you learn how to, like, modify your schedule so that you're not stopping as much. <laughs> okay. A lot of people have the impression that uh, traveling in a van is really cramped, uh, pretty tight. And so what's the experience been like for you? I would say that is a correct impression, but it's also <laughs> due to the, our ability to not leave stuff behind. So, um, in my past life, I was in the military and I was deployed for several years essentially. And I learned how to have almost nothing with me and be comfortable. And with that, I've been able to really travel pretty well. Like I can take a two week long trip with a backpack and be completely content. So it's the learning that you don't necessarily need your coffee maker. Like you can make coffee in a French press, like, or you can do instant coffee. Like you can just change and downgrade your amenities for while you're traveling. And that takes to freeze up a lot of space. Well done. Sounds like there is quite a bit of a learning curve there. Yes. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> especially I figured my pattern out, my dog and I, we went cross country in May and we got pretty comfortable and we learned how we wanted to live. And then when I came back, um, my partner joined me for a trip and that threw a whole new wrench in it, adding another human in the van and just trying to negotiate space with two humans and a dog that is larger than most humans. Have you stayed mostly in the States? Um, in my van, yes. I haven't tried to leave the country yet and that's mostly due to COVID. Uh, as soon as yeah. travel is open again, I do intend to go to Canada. Um, I'm hoping this summer or the, the coming summer following this winter um, because that's also a seasonal trip. You know, my vehicle is only an all-wheel drive. Sorry, it's a front-wheel drive. So I don't want to get stuck somewhere um, without any ability to get out. So where have you been with your van? I started in May, and I drove all the way to North Carolina, um, and I did the upper part of the state, which I learned a lot about how long those highways are. Um, and there's there's still stuff to see, but it definitely was more of a kind of road trip. And that's where I got my first experience sleeping on public land, which was just really cool. Um, and then since then, I've made trips to Oregon and California, and I'm hoping this winter to head uh, south for weather. So I kind of have to ask, when you go to places um, on the East Coast or on the West Coast, did you feel kind of isolated? Because sometimes that happens where, especially if you're driving, you're kind of in your own little world for a long time of it. Or, um, you know, did you seek out connections with other people? On my first trip, I decided to just 
really stay solo. And yes, I was very isolated. I camped in places where there were no humans. I only saw wild horses essentially, um, but that was by choice. They do have a lot of forums online, like on Reddit um, or different apps where you can kind of link up with other van life community members so that you're not always on your own because it does, it does get a little lonely. You know, you get road weary just staring at a road and not, you can only call so many people or there's no phone signal and you're stuck talking to yourself. So, <laughs> yeah. So you chose to be kind of uh, more solo on that one, which sounds like a really good opportunity to kind of be introspective about some things. Yes, it was uh, one of those moments in life where I'm kind of deciding. I hadn't at that point truly said I was going to be doing van conversions as a job. So I was kind of taking some time and thinking about where I was in life and where the world was, if it was possible for me to start traveling abroad again. And at the time, it just wasn't that wasn't the move. So I stayed in Idaho, decided to come back to Idaho and start working. Kind of going to come in a different direction, but you were talking about Europe beforehand. And I know that's uh, a few years ago, but where, um, what was your favorite place to visit in Europe? That's a question I get asked a lot and it's extremely hard, but I would sure. say, I would say for the experience of just travel and fun, I absolutely love Greece. Um, there's the stereotypical like Santorini and Mykonos, the big Instagram islands, but there's so many other smaller islands or even the whole west coast of Greece that really don't get seen by tourists. And that's um, where I had the most fun. Um, and then from a cultural perspective, though, I still really enjoy Eastern Europe. So Budapest, um, Prague, like those cities were just those are the cities that you go visit and you think maybe I just won't come home because they're just so beautiful. There's so much to offer. And they are just different enough from like the quote unquote Western Europe of like Paris or Amsterdam, the, the very obvious places that they just give you this feeling that you're kind of still somewhere new um, and somewhere that is just foreign to you. I love that. Do you lean towards the food more or do you lean towards the history, architecture? Um, I think the history is very compelling. So I always try to start every new visit with, um, I'm not sure they have it in the U.S. They probably do because it's a good idea, but they have like quote unquote free walking tours. And it's just like organizations that the person is not paid by the organization, but they're paid by tips. And essentially it's about two hours and they just kind of walk you around the city um, or, or key parts of the city and you can do it on a bike or by the scooters or anything like that. I usually prefer to walk though because I'm not very graceful. Um, but that way you really just, you start to get a bit of the history and then that makes it easier to kind of dive in and decide where you want to go from there. Yeah. I think that's a great tip. Yeah. It's um, I would highly recommend it. And also don't be stuck in a free walking tour if it's not good. Sometimes the people that, cause they are free and they aren't really, vetted per se they're only vetted by the people that are taking the tour with them so i have had tours where i've literally just walked away after like 30 minutes because it just was not not what i was looking for i remember so the best walking tour i've been on was um the ghosts of london so um you went around like uh certain buildings uh um and parliament especially in england and or in London and they told you where it's haunted and all these spooky places. Um, and the worst walking tour I had was in Montana and it just, um, it was really cool at the beginning for about half an hour and then it just kept going 
and kept going and we we're hitting like two and a half hours and it was just like I don't think I can do this anymore at one point I sat down on a spot that had sap so I had just like sap all over my pants and <laughs> and like 15 minutes of that is okay but two hours of that is just like I want to go home <laughs> Um, there, it was just far too long. Yeah. That's like, that goes with the whole, like, don't be afraid to change your plans thing because I'm like someone that, you know, you start like you probably, you started walking tour and you don't want to be rude and leave, but at a certain point you're just, you're at your capacity. Um, so luckily I've always had friends that are a little more rude than I am, I guess, if you want to call it that. Um, and they always just be like, they were like, let's go. And I'm like, Oh, okay. <laughs> Cause otherwise <laughs> I Three months later, I might have still been on some of those walking tours. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta have someone who just calls it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you need that person. Yeah. I would say, I think the history is obviously compelling, um, but that's, that's your daytime. So I always look for something that has a good dose of nightlife too. I'm not necessarily like someone that goes to clubs or things like that, but I do like to have a good drink or try a local dish. Um, I am a vegetarian right now. I have been for the last five years. So that's made, made things a little more challenging when traveling. And I have compromised my vegetarian ideas in certain countries just because it's places where being vegetarian is not a thing. They don't have that option. And culturally, they just, they don't have a diet that sustains vegetarians. So um, I'd rather not miss the experience of trying something than hold fast to, to my ideas. So I'm always willing to try if um, the cuisine looks compelling enough. So what's an example of a country or a place that wouldn't have vegetarian-based food? Um, I think in my most recent experience, I was in Costa Rica uh, this past May. And being of the location of, you know, having the ocean all around them, they just are very fish-based country. Mm -hmm. And uh, nearly all of their dishes had some sort of fish in them. You didn't see as much of the standard red meats or anything of that nature, but um, I just found they do have a delicious vegetarian breakfast that I was eating every day and was completely happy with. Um, but at night, um, it was just really hard when I see all my friends start eating like fresh ceviche or fresh this or fresh that. And I'm, and I'm eating a salad and I was like, no, okay, I'm not doing this. Like, <laughs> I'm, like <laughs> I'm like, I don't want to just eat salad. So what's a good vegetarian breakfast? What I had in Costa Rica, I think, is probably one of the favorite things I've had. It was, um, go I'm going to butcher the pronunciation probably, but it was Goyo Pollo. And it was essentially, um, one of the waiters once explained it to us. Um, they use, in the, in the past, when you would have, like, your black beans at night for dinner, whatever was not eaten was then seasoned and safe for the morning. So it's just a really rich bean, like, almost, like, mushy bean. Um, paired with rice and then fried plantains and fried eggs and it was just it was so simple but so good and I I try to make it here but I can't recreate that like seasoned bean situation so sure <laughs> so I, I'm still trying I'm gonna get there one day yeah that sounds amazing yeah and then um unfortunately on that trip I only had a carry-on so they have really good sauce like hot sauces down there that I just never heard of. Um, and the variety was just a lot different from what our traditional Tabascos or um, Tepateo, like those traditional sauces that we're used to. Um, so I was trying to like ship those home, but I managed to get like airplane sized bottles. So. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Hot sauces are something that's, uh, 
especially I think because I'm kind of temporarily living in Montana right now, just finding a good hotspot or just finding spice. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's a rare thing the further north you go. <laughs> yeah, the, the flavor phase with the snow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So where can people find you online if they, uh, I mean, are you open to uh, commissions for helping people customize vans? I am. Um, currently, I am building vans based off a, a general floor plan and then offering them for sale from there. But I am okay with expanding the process, and especially if it's something like you just wanted a different color scheme or you're looking for a different arrangement of the furniture. Those things are all very simple. I personally do not build vans that have showers in them. Um, based off experience, it's not necessary. It's a, for me, I perceive it as a waste of space. Um, so if, if someone was looking for something with a little more luxury items to it, like the shower and toilet, I would not be the person for them, but I can say based off of experience that you're going to not use those items. And then the few times you do, they're probably going to break or they're going to be a pain when it's cold outside and you have to flush the pipes. So I try to steer people away from it. Um, some people just want that luxury RV kind of experience inside of the van. And I totally understand that. That's just not something that I like to build. I got to ask, it sounds like you had a bad experience with a shower or something like that. So like most things, you know, you build a solid product, but then you take it on a road and you're, or you take it off road and you're experiencing all of the bumps, all of, all of the everything's and with vehicles, especially that you're trying to put plumbing into, you won't meet a van person who hasn't had issues. Um, mm -hmm. For me, the most particular burn was when I was actually selling my bus, I was demonstrating to the buyers that the pipes worked and I forgot to flush them and it was in an Idaho winter. So actually that night, my entire plumbing system froze and I had to replace everything, um, oh, no. which was not necessarily expensive. It was just unnecessary. And that's just something you need to consider because you could be, you might think you're somewhere warm and then a flash freeze comes and then your pipes are ruined if you're not prepared. Um, mm -hmm. And there's no real getting around that. Uh, you can like, you can have a heater in the van. You can have things to keep your van warm. But if you're not in it 24-7 or you don't have it connected to a heat source 24-7, there's a good chance you're going to experience once or twice like blown water pumps or just frozen out valves. And that's just not fun, right? You're, like you're on vacation or you're, or you live in it and it's cold already. And now you've got to be out there dealing with that. So yeah, it's, uh, I got to point out, you went into um, like that, that automotive expert voice where you're like, well, you know, you don't want to do that because it just kind of, you know, when you're yeah. out there, like, <laughs> it's clearly, uh, you've got quite a bit of experience with this and that's just awesome here. So. Yeah, and I think a lot of people see, they see an Instagram version of van life, which is, the, it's the typical in any Instagram version of anything. It doesn't show mm. the truth, uh, the behind the scenes, if you will. And there are van people that do kind of explain some of the behind the scenes, but it's the continuous work in progress. And even a van that's made by a professional outfitter will need mm. maintenance. So like recently I had a, um, I work with Dodge ProMasters mostly, but I had um, two women who owned a Sprinter, Mercedes Sprinter come to me and ask me to repair some of their vehicle parts that had been professionally built. And that surprised me because it wasn't that old, but just, wear and tear is pretty hard on these vehicles, especially if like this couple actually had two kids that they had in the van with them. So once you start putting kids or animals in them, like the damage happens fast. So, <laughs> um, 
So that's I, that's why I try to tell people the whole less is more. Like I, I do put a sink. I do have lighting, um, a nice size, full size, eight inch bed, eight inch thick bed. So there's a lot of comfort in it. Um, but I try to steer people away from thinking that they need to do the most because realistically, you're going to try to find somewhere else to shower and you just don't want to go to the bathroom in your van. There's not that many emergencies that happen. <laughs> <laughs> there's so many rest stops. Uh, yeah. What is the difference between, I guess, uh, those tiny houses that are that were popular in the last five years and they're kind of vanishing versus like a van? Because it sounds like you're describing like, there's that's a lot of problems that would happen if you owned a home, uh, similar kind of vein. Yes, so I mean, um, yeah, so the tiny homes are though, usually they're on trailers and they can be like, for instance, in Idaho right now, I don't need a permit to put a tiny home in my backyard. So I can just put the trailer in my backyard, hook it up with a water hose and have someone living in it. Um, so a lot of people that do travel, travel medical professions like traveling nurses or doctors they sorry they um they like to use tiny homes because there's more space they don't have to pack up or they're only they're only going somewhere for six six seven weeks whereas like someone in a van like I spend maybe a week in one location so it's just the difference in comfort level like if you are truly planning to live in your vehicle a lot of people are going to kind of upsize just because that makes sense well, cool. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, you definitely know what you're talking about. Where can people find you uh, online or do you have an Instagram so, as well? I do have an Instagram. It's uh, at Sully and the bird. So Sully is my dog and I'm the bird, I guess. So okay. um, and I'm, I'm not extremely active. I do check it every, every couple of days, but I'm not very good at the, you know, daily media post. Um, when I am actively building a van, I do post stories and I do kind of show the behind the scenes um, and some of the, some of the not so pretty parts of it that people miss when they're uh, just purchasing one. So I like to talk with people there and I've actually met several other van like people that way. So. Okay. So Sully and the bird on Instagram, do you have an online or a website or something like that? I don't have a website right now. Um, I may get to that point, but I probably won't. Okay. <laughs> I, I stay low key right now at least. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Yeah. The whole off the grid thing is kind of uh, a, something you seem to yeah prefer. I just get overwhelmed <laughs> yeah and I am one person so I can only build so much so one at a time um and then maybe dialoguing with someone else who needs like side projects so um that's pretty standard for low-key outfitters um we can't really take on too many projects just because of time oh, cool and uh so kind of last question uh the big one uh what's something you're hopeful about I am really hopeful about the world just kind of reopening which I think is probably a standard answer from everyone but I I was someone who before corona happened I was planning to um, actually leave America I had already put my house on the market I was kind of checking out for a while and I was just going to go travel I didn't really have destinations in mind so part of me really wants to have that journey again I have new things now in my life like my dog and a partner so it's not like I will permanently leave but I I'm really hopeful that this time next year I am somewhere in Asia, uh, just living my best life. <laughs> Dude, I hope so too. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. Well, thank you, Jay, for being on the show. Can I just say, like, you, you have such a, like, you have such a great work ethic and approach to these things and like to these ideas that I am just really impressed by. 
Uh-huh. Well, I definitely don't feel like that. Most of the time I'm like, just sitting in my house, like go outside, like you can do it, go get started. <laughs> but uh, I, yes. I work really well under pressure. So that's one thing I'm trying to, because in the military, I was always under pressure. So I really performed very well. And now I don't have pressure anymore. And I'm like, oh, okay, how do I work? Okay. <laughs> how do you like, are, are so. you play, hoping to manufacture pressure or um, live without well, it? I did. Well, I did accidentally manufacture it on this. So I sold my first van um, a little less than a month ago, and which was exciting, awesome. But when I listed the van, I still had uh, probably three or four days worth of work left on it. And instead of like finishing it, I just kind of listed it and just didn't touch it. And then when I had yeah. the buyer, like, and I, you know, it's fielding different potential buyers. But then when, when someone actually said, okay, I want it, I want to come pick it up on this day. I was like, oh oh boy okay so um, <laughs> I, I manufactured my own pressure because I did create the deadline that I needed to get done and luckily I have a very helpful boyfriend who kind of just stopped what he was doing and kind of he's detail-oriented whereas I'm just like get it done so he was good about going behind me and doing the detail work um, like oh, just yeah. cleaning up little things that I don't care about um, but so it was a good moment. I got really lucky that he was willing to help me, but that's not something I want to do every time. Right. Like that's not, it's not fair to him. It's not healthy for me. Um, so I got, I have to figure out how to, how to make pressure be slow and continuous so that I just get it done. <laughs> yeah. yeah.